Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension. Just to name a few, go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. doing my people three and out podcast with me john middlecoff recording this at night it's about 9 30 pacific standard time and uh, we just witnessed i i think one of the craziest nights on monday night football i ever remember and i i remember some crazy ones we will talk about that coming up it does not look good for aaron Rodgers and his achilles so by the time you're listening to this obviously the news will be broken but as of right now, it looks like it's all she wrote, which is pretty nuts. Uh, so we will dive in to the reaction of the injury, the game, Josh Allen. I don't even know what to say about that performance. Probably one of his worst of his career, definitely since he became a good player. Uh, we'll hit on some other stuff, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. Obviously, the Niners and Cowboys had really good days. The Eagles had a weird day. Uh, but they play in a couple nights because Thursday Night Football at the link. So uh, the NFC kind of flexing their muscles, at least those three teams. I mean, some other teams had some rough days. Uh, and then we will dive into a lot of different football talk from the Chargers, Brandon Staley, to Tua, to Jimmy G and Carr, to Mel Tucker. Y- you name it, we will touch on it. And, uh, yeah, football is off and running. So... Let's buckle up because it's going to be a long season. A lot of podcasts. Plan on having several podcasts this week. Probably one Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Why stop now? You know, keep pumping out the content for the people. That's our game plan. So you can get up in the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. We will answer some DMs today. And I think... Yeah, so we, the plan will be, if you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out. Me and Colin will usually do that on Sundays, so I probably will not have a podcast till Tuesday, and then I'll just bang them out the rest of the week. So uh, I'm going to bring it fast and furious with content come Tuesday. So buckle up, and uh, let's roll. 
But first, if you're a Jets fan, hell, you might still want to go to a game to support your team, to see Zach Wilson, maybe have a breakout third year, and just to watch that defense. If you're a football fan in general, wherever you live, you want to go to an NFL game, I got Dion and Shador Sanders in a couple months, or excuse me, a couple weeks, coming to Arizona State, and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to download the Game Time app. I don't have to do it because I already have it. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you do, type in the promo code JOHN, the first pair of tickets you buy. They have interactive maps, any game, basketball, when the NBA season starts, baseball, playoffs, obviously college football, pro football, the NFL, concerts, you name it. They got you covered. Game Time, easy to look at, interactive maps, promo code JOHN. Go do it right now. Enjoy yourself and do it on me. $20 off when you use the code JOHN. Well, in all my life, and I have, uh, I've been watching Monday Night Football pretty consistently, probably that I can remember since 91, 92. Uh, so we're going on 30 plus years of Monday night, literally from the start of September till the end of the season. I, I don't think I've missed many games. Hell, I would skip school, definitely in college, if it interfered with Monday Night Football. I love Monday Night Football. Always have, always will. It feels very special. And we have seen some crazy things happen. Joe, Joe Theismann having his leg snapped by LT was a little before my time. One that I vividly remember was Steve Young when he was knocked out on the field from Aeneas Williams. A game, ironically, was in Arizona. Uh, and obviously last year, the DeMar situation, which was something that I think rare time in America these days that kind of united us all. All of us were just... One, not only moved, but were rooting for the human being not just to be saved, but to bounce back and clear tonight was a cool moment, just seeing him on the sideline in street clothes. But I don't think in all my years of not just watching Monday Night Football, but just sports in general, I've ever seen anything quite like that. And listen, I, it doesn't suck for anyone more, assuming that you know some reports he might have torn his Achilles. It's not looking good. Rap Sheet basically reported that. Robert Sala said in his press conference that it's not looking good. Uh, it doesn't suck for anyone more than Aaron Rodgers, who had an opportunity to kind of have his Tom Brady moment, right? Go to a franchise which is much bigger than Tampa just because of the city it plays in and the amount of fans it has, but a lot like Tampa, had just been really shitty for a long time and has not done a lot of winning, really, for decades, right? I mean, they, they literally have the longest playoff drought right now and had a chance to kind of stamp what is an all-time great resume. All the MVPs, the Super Bowl championship, he didn't need to win another Super Bowl in New York. Hell, he didn't need to win an MVP in New York. He took a big pay cut. If he just got them not just back to relevance, but just in the playoffs, won a playoff game, that would be a moving sports moment. And the game kicked off at 8-15, right after he had run out of the tunnel on the anniversary of 9-11, the last guy on the field with an American flag. It was a powerful moment. It would have been regardless who that was. It could have been Sauce. It, it could have been Quinn and Williams. It could have been Robert Sala. It wouldn't have mattered. It could have been Josh Allen for the Bills. You would have got a standing ovation. But for it to be Aaron Rodgers in his Jets debut, which we had this game circled forever, right, since the schedule came out, it was going to be incredible. And then at 8-26... Literally almost 10 minutes after kickoff, he's laying on the ground. 
and we've all seen enough injuries where you go, God, I hope it's going to be okay. And then within about 10 minutes, you knew it wasn't good when the card came out. But I, I, I can't help but feel for the lifeblood of this sport. And it's you guys listening. And most specifically tonight, it's Jets fans who have to feel cursed. Like, good things just can't happen to them. Because without the fans, which help make the NFL by far, by a country mile, the biggest sport in America, it wouldn't be what it was and, and is currently, right? The amount of money the players make, the coaches make, these owners are making. Hell, someone who talks about football is able to get a big audience because so many people care. But specifically to that fan base, like I said, Steve Young, I was a diehard Niner fan as a kid. And when he was KO'd and his career ended on that field on Monday night, he had been the starting quarterback for a decade, won MVPs, won a Super Bowl. You got to take in his career, right? So when some of these injuries happen to these older players, you have got to see it all. This ended before it even started. And listen, I'm not trying to get it too ahead of ourselves. We don't have all the details. But if it is a torn Achilles, I mean, you're talking about a potential career ender. He's going to be 40 in December. This is not a 31-year-old. It's hard the older you get to bounce back from these injuries. We have seen it recently with several players. Roethlisberger with the elbow injury. Carson Palmer with the knee injury. Peyton Manning, his last season, when his body started to go. It's very, very difficult. Tom Brady is an all-time outlier. We're probably never seeing that again. And I really, really feel bad for the Jets fans. I, I can't even imagine caring that much, which how could you not? You trade for Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. He comes. He is the happiest guy in all of New York. He's having the time of his life. The team, even though there's some flaws in the offensive line, clearly was going to be pretty solid. Had an elite defense. They signed Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall's back from, you know, from his injury last year. Garrett Wilson looks like a young star. And then he gets injured 11 minutes in. And listen, I, I make fun of the NFL for being the ultimate reality show. You can't make it up. And it's so true. But this is the worst part. And it's the part that I've never missed since leaving the NFL. The things that are out of your control. When a guy is just laying there on the ground. And you hate to say it, but you see it in the preseason. You definitely see it starting this week once the regular season starts. When players are lying down, especially when there's a pile, you just pray it's not your star player, right? And in this situation, there was no pile. He literally stood up and went right back down. And that was a moment that I'll never forget in all my years of watching sports. You'll never forget that moment of watching Aaron Rodgers make his Jets debut and just hit the ground. In a moment, I, I almost tweeted this because I sat down. I just had a snack. We we're going to make dinner at halftime. You look up at the TV, and I and I was just thinking to myself, football is so big because it's opening night, Monday night football. It's week one, and yet the energy coming out of that television screen, the the passion from just the fans, how loud everyone was, how intense it felt with the Bills as well. It felt like an AFC divisional game or an AFC championship game. It felt gigantic. And then the moment he left, it took a lot of, you know, just wind out of the sails of the game. Now, here's what I will say if I'm a Jets fan. It couldn't suck anymore. That That's about as miserable it gets as it gets, especially if, as of recording this, we assume he never seen again the rest of the season. 
But you got to take some pride because a lot of teams in that situation who lose a player of his caliber, also when you factor in the variables of what he was replacing right last year, their quarterback situation, the belief that he had given that building. If you watch Hard Knocks, the, the way the coaches talked about him, their defensive coaches talked about how we have a chance to win every game because of this individual. That team did not quit. They refused to tap out. They played incredibly hard. Offensively, obviously they have some limitations with Zach Wilson relative to Aaron Rodgers. But that defensive unit and just the overall effort by the team was really remarkable. And I think you just have to tip your hat to your team, not just mailing it in. Because it would have been very understandable if guys, clearly they were shell-shocked, especially offensively, but if the defense just ran out of juice. And that defense played the entire game like Aaron Rodgers was still in the game. Uh, So props to the Jets, end up winning the game on just a remarkable punt return for a touchdown. Um, that that was really cool. I mean, that's that's why we watched the entire game. It got it got really sloppy in there, but th- that's the type night where uh, all I can say is I feel sorry for you guys. I, I truly do because I love football, and I'm very passionate about football, and I know how passionate fans are about individually about their team. And when your team's been bad for that long, and you don't just get hope, it's not like, oh, we might have something here with this quarterback. You get Aaron freaking Rodgers, and he is just happy as humanly possible for six months in your building, taking teammates to MSG, going to plays, going to basketball games, going to hockey games, just having the time. is like, takes a pay cut, literally hands back $35 million. You're like, God, this can't go any better. And then that happens. Uh, you just, you really can't make it up. Now on the flip side, the Bills, who have easily been one of the best teams in football over the last several years have a problem on their hands. Josh Allen's clearly one of the most talented players in the NFL. He's a freak. But I did a little math before we hopped on tonight. In his last 34 games, that includes the last two regular seasons, and then tonight, he has 32 interceptions. Let me repeat that. 34 games, 32 interceptions. That's a major problem. And tonight was kind of embarrassing. It really was, for a player of his caliber. I'll never forget when I worked in the NFL, Marty Morningwig, who's a longtime coach with the 49ers, with Andy Reid forever in Philly, then was with the Ravens for a while. He was really cool. He used to give me like 100 bucks to go buy him a log of chew and then let me keep the change, which was like 50 bucks. And uh, we used to just BS. He was a West Coast guy, played at Montana. And I used to ask him like the best player he ever saw. And he said, by far, like the 95, 96, 97 stretch of Brett Favre. He said, it's the best player I've ever seen. And you go back and look at some of those numbers, three straight MVPs. Brett in his peak was elite. Well, after Holmgren left, he just could get loosey-goosey. And no one ever disputed, like, it's not like he lost his talent, right? The ability to make the throws because he had an arm, unlike literally everyone except John Elway. And that's kind of what Josh Allen has. But these last three years, and especially these last two years, it feels like he's very loosey-goosey. He is making throws that a player of his caliber should not be throwing. You don't just throw YOLO balls constantly. And it's one thing, like, I can live with turnovers. I I don't mind interceptions. That's okay. Especially with guys that can throw 40, 45 touchdowns. You can throw 10 interceptions. But tonight, that has to be 
since he's become a good player, not counting like his rookie season, one of the worst NFL games he's ever played. And I think there's a good chance it's the worst NFL game he's ever played as a good player. And in the situation, too, right, they're playing a Jets team where Aaron Rodgers is underneath the tunnel in a boot. They got Zach Wilson. It's going to be very, very hard for them to score. I saw freezing cold takes retweeted a guy that said, if the Bills just kneel the ball every single play till the end of the game, you probably punt on fourth down. You don't kneel it on fourth down. They will win. And freezing cold takes retweeted him like the guy's an idiot. I actually agree. The only way you lose that game tonight is if you turn the ball over or they get some freaky long play, which was going to be very difficult for them. And Josh Allen, to me, is the reason the Jets had a chance to win because he kept turning the ball over. And the Bills have a problem because their, their only chance to win a Super Bowl, right? just like most teams' only chance to win a Super Bowl, when you have a player of his caliber at that position, is for him to dominate. Right, Patrick Mahomes has to dominate. Matt Stafford a couple years ago in the playoffs w- was awesome. Right, Joe Burrow when they're making their run, awesome. Tom Brady all those years, Peyton Manning, they got to dominate. Right, I guess the Peyton Manning second Super Bowl, his defense was elite, but that's not the case with the Bills. They're, they're not rolling a top two or three defense. They need him to be brilliant, and I, I you just see things that concern you. Turnovers at the rate in which he's turning it over. For a guy who, he made a play tonight, the touchdown he threw to Diggs where he was scrambling and kind of pushed it was awesome. And speaking of Diggs, I have a soft spot for, and this is kind of unfair, Diva, I don't even know if he's Diva. He's not really a malcontent. He just he just mixes it up. He just gets in some, makes other people uncomfortable sometimes. I think some head coaches, offensive coordinators, but he's a winning player. I have no problem with you if you're you got some issues, but you contribute to winning. And he's contributed in Minnesota. He had some issues. They were winning with him. You put Diggs on the Bills, they win with that guy. And then you watch him play, you're like, this guy's a baller. I want that guy on my side. And you saw at the end of the game, or toward the end of the game, he goes over to Josh, almost like trying to calm him down. Bro, we need you here, man. Let's let's play under control. And he was terrible. I mean, that was a player of his level cannot have that game when the other team just lost Aaron Rodgers 10 minutes into the game. It's honestly unacceptable, or you're going to lose, in which they did. So just an all-time memorable moment on the anniversary of 9-11 in New York. It's just for Rodgers to go down, and by the time you're listening to this, it might be announced he's out for the season. You just can't make that up. And like I said, I I feel every Jets fan out there, I feel for you. That, that, That can't suck anymore. There's nothing football-wise worse than that. It's literally impossible to be worse than what we witnessed tonight to happen to your franchise. So uh, all I can say is I'm sorry. Uh, some other things that I want to touch on is, you know, Zach Wilson went two and obviously Trey Lance went three. We'll see. I mean, Zach looks a little better than last year. Got a long way to go. It's going to be a, a rough week two against the Cowboys. But I think what we saw out of the 49ers, and I'm not talking specifically about the ass-whooping that they put on the Pittsburgh Steelers and me picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to compete to win the AFC does not feel great right now. And as someone that didn't like Kenny Pickett coming out in the draft but then was convinced that he is actually probably a little better, uh, I, I don't even know what to do with that take. It doesn't It's not aging well. 
But I think we're never going to see the 49ers situation ever again because they made one of the worst, if not the worst, draft trade slash picks in NFL history. Three first-rounders for a guy by year three was traded before week one and only started four games for them. But I think the reason that they avoided complete disaster, because ultimately he only started four games for them. Typically, when you draft a quarterback really high, whether you trade up to get him or you just pick him because that's where you're drafting, and it doesn't go well, it derails your franchise because that's the guy you're playing and he's not any good and you're screwed, right? We've seen a lot of them in recent memory. Baker Mayfield, Mr. Bisky, because you usually just play him until the wheels fall off and you figure out like he's not the guy. He ultimately, when you think about the last two years where the Niners went to multiple NFC Championship games, was kind of irrelevant to their whole operation. Two years ago, when they won 10 games and they ended up losing to the Rams, he he started two games. He was basically redshirting, won one, lost one. And then the following year, gets hurt week two, Jimmy comes in, and they stumble into Purdy. Like, you're just never going to see a situation where you invest that much in that position, he plays that little, and by year three, a couple weeks after you trade him, it's pretty clear this is the best version of the Niners, this team. And typically, and we're going to see if Zach Wilson, let's say, plays the next 16 games, more than likely it's not going to go great, right? Even if he's improved a little bit from last year, he's just got some flaws as a player, right? He clearly was very overvalued. I think, like Trey, they were greatly impacted by the 2020 season. Zach played nobody at BYU, and Lance didn't even have a season. So it's it's somewhat of an outlier situation. But that situation is ultimately going to doom the Jets, right? That pick, right? Clearly, they tried to have a contingency plan when they traded for Rodgers, and it looks like that backfired because of injury. But ultimately, it's going to fail because Zach's not good enough, and they have no choice but to play him. And the 49ers kind of got bailed out because, one, they stumbled into Purdy. And a huge part of the draft, just like life, is luck. And there is no, I don't care how much they say they liked him in the draft, which I know the 49ers did. And I think other teams did as well. You took the guy with the last pick, right? So there you passed on him, not only countless times, you you took him Mr. Relevant last pick in the draft. You had absolutely no clue he was going to be this good. And now heading into week two, the entire team, I mean, I follow Debo, all these guys are constantly Instagramming about Purdy. I saw an Instagram on my feed today of Micah Parsons, who I don't know if he has a podcast or he mics himself up playing video games on Twitch, was basically saying, we got to give Purdy, this is Micah Parsons saying, we got to give Purdy the respect. He's a top 15 quarterback. So you're telling me they were just able to throw Lance to the trash, upgrade with Purdy, who happens to be easily the best quarterback they've had. And really, they've only had one good quarterback and that's Jimmy, who was very flawed. And as we saw Jimmy with the Raiders, like he's going to drive you nuts, but he's going to find ways somehow to win, but you're not really going to give him the credit for the win. He's a bizarre player. But the 49ers won a ton of games with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I watched every snap of him. And I'll tell you this, Brock Purdy is dramatically better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I'm not claiming Purdy some top 10 quarterback yet, but so far, he looks really, really good for the 49ers. And they are absolutely loaded with Ayuk, who's playing for a contract and is really good. 
Debo, who is going by skinny Debo right now, because Kyle Shanahan basically called him fat and lazy after last season. Debo spent all offseason getting in shape. And Christian McCaffrey, who just, I mean, looks like Barry Sanders. So, and they got George Kittle. It's just, it's a position that the, the 49ers, the only thing that can slow them down is injuries, or else they're going to be right back in the NFC Championship game. Uh, speaking of NFC Championship game, here's a team that hasn't been there in 25 years. And I, I tried to mix it up a little bit on my preseason picks. Like, I, I thought the Cowboys easily could have beat the 49ers in that playoff game last year. Their defense came to play. Their defense last year was Super Bowl level. That that was the type of defense you could win a Super Bowl with. Well, they literally brought everyone back, and they brought the defensive coordinator back. And their guys get a year older and are in their prime. So the team that we saw against the New York Giants, did I expect them to win 40 to nothing? Of course not. Nobody did. Or else I would have bet my life savings on the game. But that defense is for real. And that defense right there with the 49ers, it, to me, if they stay healthy, is going to be right there as the best defense in the league. And the team speed is beyond evident. Their DBs make a ton of plays, and their pass rush is freaking elite. And in 2023, the one place where you can really separate yourself because you're allowed to be physical is the line of scrimmage, right? You can't take out people across the middle. You can't hit people down the seam or on go routes like you used to 15, 20 years ago. The intimidation factor at safety is completely different. Even linebacker, and I see it with the 49ers, like sometimes Drake Greenlaw will have a tackle. I'm like, all right, he's going to get flagged for that. But the line of scrimmage, you can be as physical basically as ever. Relative, I mean, you got to be careful when you're hitting the quarterback, but just in terms of speed, power, all that stuff still translates. And they have it in waves. I I, I think the Cowboys, I feel good about my pick. Uh, They look like, I think they're going to look, they're going to dominate on defense. Offensively, do I trust Dak? you know, to make a Super Bowl run, I, I do not. But like I said, all off season, all it takes is a couple game stretch to get hot. No one in a million years before 07, I guess it would have been 08 in January happened, thought Eli had that in the bag. And then he did. And he actually did it again a couple years later, right? So you just need to have a stretch. Joe Flacco did it. Uh, they definitely have a team who can compete and it starts with their defense. And the Eagles, a lot of people, especially probably in Philly, we're disappointed how that game went because you're so good talent-wise as a roster, and I don't blame you, you view basically every opponent, but specifically a team like the Patriots, we, we should win by double digits, especially when we're up 16-0. And it just looked pretty rusty, and it's not really that shocking. I saw Sirianni say that I got to think twice about playing some of these guys in the preseason. None of their starters played in the preseason. Not a snap. Not one. So the notion that you're just going to go on the road against a very good defense and just look super crisp, that's not usually how it works. Now, just because you play in the preseason, check out the Steelers, doesn't mean that you're going to hit the ground running. So there is no correct formula. But anyone who has watched the Eagles play could tell they were off. Now, one thing I saw is I have faith that their passing game will improve as the season goes along. Hell, they play in about you know, 50 hours from recording this right now. They play Thursday Night Football at home against Minnesota. But I do think Jalen, early in his career, was a very, very dynamic runner. Now, he was never Kyler or Lamar fast, but his instincts, like he could turn into a running back. He was so smooth in the open field. He knew angles. I saw a guy against the Patriots, and again, it might have been a little rust too, 
who now after he got his big contract, almost like the Eagles have told him, we need you to be very careful when you run. Because last year, you gave us a big-time scare when your shoulder got hit, and we were nervous that, I think even Jalen said this, I thought I broke my clavicle. And I watched a guy who's just a little hesitant as he's running. He's not, not that he's not confident, he's just less likely to be reckless. And uh, I, I know at the end of the game when he fumbled, that he was a little bit, but I, I the overall package to me, I I do think he is going to lean much more moving forward. And this is what happens when you give a guy a lot of money, is you want to see him pass a lot. And luckily, they're loaded with pass catchers, so that, that's something to monitor. But I, I saw a lot of rust. I, I saw a team that just, you know, looked like that was their first game, and they haven't played any meaningful snaps, which they don't in the preseason. So I, I think the Eagles will be fine. I think the top three teams in the NFL or excuse me, the NFC, I mean, are separated by a wide, wide margin, right? The Giants and the Steelers, two teams I liked a lot. Makes you question. You spend all offseason hyping teams up, trying to make some bold predictions. I was like, I think the Giants have shortened the talent gap between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And then you're watching about 15 minutes of Sunday Night Football. You're like, yeah, I think I'm wrong on that one. And I also am guilty of this. Sometimes, and I was guilty of this. I used to get made fun of when I worked in the NFL kind of can be anoint someone too fast. And I think a lot of young scouts or young people can. Definitely media people naturally do this. It's probably why I've transitioned well into the profession of talking. I like Brian Dayball. And maybe I root for him more because chubby bald guy and, you know, share some qualities with that. But let's see him do it again, right? I love what I saw last year. Well-deserving coach of the year. But part of being a really good coach, and I've seen, and I'm guilty of this too, of putting him in the position with the top a bunch of high-end offensive coaches, a lot of those guys have been doing it for a long, long time. Like, ultimately, when Sean McVay upsets Seattle on the road and ultimately kicks their ass, isn't that shocking? Right? You'd think, well, the roster, a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of guys we haven't heard, but Sean McVay's got a long resume of winning. Like, last year was his outlier season. Most years, worst-case scenario, he's winning 9-10 games. When his team's good, dude's winning like 12-14. to 14. So Sean McVay wins. Is Brian Dayball a lock to just win 10 games? And I put him on that pedestal. We'll see. And I'm not blaming it all week one against the Cowboys. Bad matchup for them. I think Dallas, what's that, 12 or 13 now? I mean, they've they've owned the Giants. But you're watching the game, you go, well, I'm, I I did put some stock in Daniel Jones taking a jump. What if that doesn't happen? What if, what if it doesn't? I mean, ultimately, I thought Daniel Jones was solid last year. He threw 15 touchdowns. So if he were to throw 28, that that would be a 13-touchdown difference from the previous. That's a big jump, right? Hell, if he threw 22, that'd be seven touchdowns more from last year. So maybe I overestimated a little bit the growth of Daniel Jones slash, you know, let's see when everyone's gunning for Brian Dable how it looks. And uh, last but not not least, I want to talk about my friends at Morgan & Morgan and uh, a player tonight that made it look easy. And I thought coming in tonight, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to go probably with Tyreek Hill. He had 15 touchdowns and 700 yards against Brandon Staley. Or maybe his quarterback, Tua. You know, they made it look easy. And then tonight happened. And Aaron Rodgers is laying on the ground. And you go, how are the Jets going to stay in this game? And then, a, and then a guy, a former fourth-round pick, raised his hand, looked at Robert Sala and Jeff Olbrick, and his name was Jordan Whitehead. And he said, Quinn and Williams and all the D-linemen, I got you, fellas. I'm going to have not one, not two, but three interceptions. 
three interceptions on Josh Allen, who's widely considered, I don't know, a top two or three quarterback. And it had to be one of the game of his guy's life going back to like junior high on Monday night football in that situation. Two of those interceptions, especially the last one, was just gigantic. You can't have a better game if you are a safety. I mean, the guy looked like Ed Reed. I mean, Ronnie Lott. I mean, he's going to be telling his grandkids, remember on Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers laying on the ground. Over the next three hours, I get three picks. Three picks. One, Stephon Diggs tried to take out his arms, and he still caught it. Just an incredible night by Jordan Whitehead. Hard to get much better than that. Uh, Making it look easy by Morgan & Morgan. So, listen, go to forthepeople.com slash john or dial pound. Five two nine. That's Pound Law for Morgan Morgan, America's largest injury law firm with over a hundred offices nationwide and more than eight hundred lawyers. Again, forthepeople.com slash John. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code JOHN, J-O-H-N, to sign up. New customers can bet $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's dive into one of my favorite topics in the entire National Football League. And that's the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley, and the overall coaching situation of the team. I no longer, and if you are new to this show, I have been, I I red flagged this guy well before it became popular. I red flagged this guy well before 2022 and that playoff game ever happened. For those longtime listeners, you guys have known where I've stood on this individual when he first started becoming the head coach. And honestly, even before that, I'd been hearing this guy's name. Not a Brandon Staley fan. Definitely as a head coach. Defensive coordinator, we've only seen him one year. Got a stacked team. But th- this is about Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And listen, Tyreek Hill isn't just currently you know, a top 5, 10 non-quarterback in the NFL, offensively or defensively. He's truly one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. I've been watching football that I can remember now since the early 90s. I think if I was thinking this yesterday when he was just going nuts, uh, you could argue that the greatest wide receiver, Jerry Rice, the second greatest wide receiver is Randy Moss, and you could argue this guy's the third greatest wide receiver. Now, Terrell Owen, there are other names that are going to get thrown out there, but I think when the dust settles, this guy, clearly he's a top five lock. I, I think he might be considered in that class. By Jerry, you know, Jerry's got four rings. Uh, obviously Randy Moss, I don't think he ever got one, but this guy, you could argue he's ever been as dominant as Randy Moss, to be honest with you. So listen, anytime you play a great player, he's going to beat you, right? I don't care what sport it is in basketball. They always says great offense always beats great defense. You could put the greatest defender on Michael Jordan or Steph Curry. They're going to get theirs, but there comes a point, And I talked about this with Colin where you draw the fucking line in the sand. You say no Moss, this is not going to keep happening. And I'm no longer going to be critical of Brandon Staley. This is not about him. This is about the franchise and the ownership. And really, that starts with the Spanos family. Dean, who inherited it from his dad. And I truly believe this. I'm not just saying this to like try to sound funny. I think being cheap when you have a lot of money is a legit disease. It's something you can't shake. If you're listening to this and you don't have a lot of money and you're cheap and you're frugal, totally understand. I haven't received a W-2 in eight-plus years. Things are going pretty well right now. Those first couple years were an mf I mean, they were fucking hard. And I completely understand of being tight with money and being consumed with thinking about it and being worried about it because you can't sometimes even think big picture when you're living week to week, rent to rent. You just don't have any money. It's, it's tough. But when you get a lot of money, and I've always said this, I love Tiger Woods. He's probably, him and Jordan are my two favorite athletes of all time. Tiger is notoriously cheap, right? I understand when Tiger's young, not figuring it out. Like at 45 years old, there's no excuse. The story coming out that like he takes the Navy SEALs and the Marines out for burgers and doesn't pick up the tab. Like, I- I'm sorry. Like that that's on you, buddy. <laughs> that's a problem. And Dean Spanos, and listen, I-, I remember Greg Papa 
who now is the voice of the 49ers, longtime voice of the Raiders, uh, had a misunderstanding with Mark Davis, ironically over Kyle Shanahan's father, who he didn't want him to interview because he was Al Davis's mortal enemy, and Mark Davis ultimately fired him. But he told me a story one time about Jamarcus Russell. And if you remember, this is a long time ago now, but the, Jamarcus was in that era where first-round picks, especially high picks, he was the number one overall pick, got a lot of money. And at the time, I, I don't know what his signing bonus was, $20, $25, 30000000 million. And this is, you know, mid-2000s, right? Well, Al, just like a lot of the NFL owners now, the amount of money they're making from TV is not nearly the same as it once was. Well, at the time, you had to cut the bonus check immediately. He did not have the money. And this is 15, 18 years ago. Times have dramatically changed. Even if you are on the lower end of wealth, right? You're not a Walton or a Harris or even what Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are now. You still have a ton of money. Because every single year you're getting 350, 375 just from the TV deals, let alone from all the other money. Even if you're a shitty run franchise, what you're making in your stadium, right? So there is no excuse for being cheap. And to me, Dean Spanos was handed a mulligan this offseason. Sean Payton was not only working for Fox, he was spending a ton of time in Los Angeles. Colin talked about this all the time. He clearly loved it, loved being by the beach, felt revitalized and openly talked about how awesome Justin Herbert was. Now listen, we can argue all day long till the cows come home how good Sean Payton is, right? Well, is he a top five coach? He's clearly in a different fucking universe than Brandon Staley. Like they they have nothing in common when it comes to being a head coach in the NFL. The thing with Sean Payton was, and you saw with the Waltons, you had to pay him. He he wasn't going to take your job just because he liked your players for $9 million, Right. And the Spanoses, just look at their last several coaches, have all been cheap hires. And listen, I'm in the middle of a big remodel right now. I have spent an astronaut, all my money. I mean, I've spent a ton of money on this remodel. And now I got to buy furniture. And it's like, well, could I go cheap on the furniture? It's like, well, what's the point of putting hundreds and thousands of dollars into this home to then have it look crappy once it's furnished? Right. So you almost got to double down. What is the point of giving Justin Herbert? almost $200 million and have an average to below average coach and not even try to upgrade at that spot, right? Part of being a good, any business, I don't care what industry you're in, is to not be cheap at the most important things. It, it, it makes no sense. And in football, the two most important things you can have are your head coach, who in this case is also a, a play caller, and your quarterback. Well, teams clearly around the league have no problems paying the quarterback anymore, but there are teams that still get frugal and, and, and save a couple million dollars on the head coach. That's fucking embarrassing. Like, I, I just think you're a loser. Like, you don't understand anything. And clearly, you would not own this team if it wasn't from your grandpa or your dad. And I'm not one of those, you know, kind of radicals that, like, get consumed with people that inherit things. Because you look around the NFL is a good example. Clark Hunt's running a high-level operation. He's willing to spend $15, $20 million on a head coach. I mean, so just because you inherit something doesn't mean you're not capable. Like, this is it's an individual thing. I, I look at individuals in business no different than individual players. Every player, every human is their own story. And in this situation, they are historically cheap. Like, I, I don't even give you credit for paying Justin Herbert. Like, that must have been a tough call. It's... I say this all the time. This television money now is monopoly money. 
Anyone in the last listening to this sold their home in the last, right now it's not great, but six months before right now and over the last couple of years and made several hundred thousand dollars, $500,000, a million dollars. That doesn't feel like the money you make when you work for something, right? Whatever you do for a job, when you get paid, I put in time equity to earn this money. When you buy a home, you're like, like that's an easy $500,000, $600,000, even though in theory you live there, you paid the mortgage. It feels like free money. That's the same thing to me this television money is because you don't have to win or lose to generate the money. What you actually make in your home games and your sweet money, you have to earn that. But in terms of the money the league cut you from NBC, CBS, and Fox, like, give me a break. You, you, you know, it's not like the Chargers were winning a lot of playoff games over that time. Hell, they were not even really making the playoffs over the last decade. So the Spanos family really, and as a lover of Justin Herbert, and honestly, I like their franchise just in terms of the players that have played for it. I root for West Coast teams. That's why it hurts me that the Pac-12 is disappearing because I like the teams from the region where I'm from. And the Chargers are a team that... I just watch a lot. Obviously, I just end up watching a lot of NFC and AFC West football, but I find them riveting with Justin Herbert. Yet I know what the outcome's going to be. Their head coach is going to fuck it up. And on Sunday, when you have this guy who is just going nuts, I'm not Bill Parcells here on a whiteboard scheming it up with Bill Belichick's next to me. I don't pretend to know more defensive football than Brandon Staley. But I also have been watching football long enough to know what you're doing is not working. Bill Belichick said this on the top 100 players, and he, it was so simplistic, but it was so correct. Like, sometimes we overcomplicate football. Like, take strengths, put them against their weaknesses, take weaknesses, and try to avoid them against their strengths. Like, that's kind of what football is. And this guy, who is one of the fastest players, if not the fastest player in league history, I'm not talking about actual 40 time. I'm talking about the way the dude plays. So just to have him out there on one-on-one coverage when your corner clearly doesn't really know what he's doing and is not playing well is malpractice. But again, to put this at Brandon Staley, like this is on the ownership. They signed up for this. So if you're a Charger fan, if you're someone that gambled on them, this is on their ownership. (laughs) This is. Because I'll give you the Dolphins, who are a chaotic franchise, clearly, always getting in trouble with the league, doing weird shit. Their owner, who has a ton of money, is always willing to try shit trying to hire Harbaugh, stealing Shanahan's best guy, trying to sign Brady. Like, he's just always taking swings. He's using his money, which last time I checked, he made, and he knows that doubling down on important things matter. And his coach, who I've been following because he was on Kyle Shanahan's staff for a long time now, quirky dude, but he knows what he's doing. And clearly, as a play caller offensively, knows how to get his best players in position to succeed. And I don't think the same can be said about Brandon Staley. But we didn't learn that on Sunday. We knew that last year, that he's overwhelmed with his decisions, his defensive play calling in big moments, always lets you down, especially against good teams. What are the Dolphins? Very talented team. What was the playoff game against the Jags? Very talented team. No one cares when you beat average to below average teams. You have to beat these good teams because you're trying to make a little jet run. So I, I, I just think that that one's on Dean Spanos, man. Just just a complete embarrassment. Uh, let's get to the Patriot game and on the Patriots specifically. And I was thinking this, and I, I talked to Colin a little bit about it, but watching Anthony Richardson, it's why I'm a believer in taking big swings. Because when you take a big swing, there's no guarantee you're going to hit any quarterback when you draft, right? There are, I guess, a few you know sure things over the history of the league. Elway, 
Peyton Manning, Luck, uh, Trevor Lawrence. You just know are going to be good. You don't know if they're going to be like all-time great good, but they're going to be good. And when you look at Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett, for those guys to be good, they have to exceed and be perfect in terms of their game, right? For Anthony Richardson to be good, he just needs to be pretty accurate and run around and just make some shit happen. Now, it doesn't mean he's ever going to be a pro bowl or whatever, but his ability just to hit a floor, right, is easier to get to if he is just solid. Where if Mac Jones is just solid, he's not going to be any good. If Kenny Pickett is just solid, good luck, right? And you saw Mac Jones, who actually, after the first quarter, kind of got it together and, and made a lot of really good throws. But early on, and this has plagued him his entire career, part of the reason Kyle Shanahan loved Mac Jones, which I thought was insane, drafted him at number three overall, and he clearly regrets it because if he could do it over, even though Brock Purdy's better than Mac Jones, but you know what I mean. Kyle Shanahan could do it over. He just would have taken Mac Jones there, not Trey Lance. But the problem with Mac Jones of drafting him, you're like, well, he's just going to be very accurate, not turn the ball over. Yet in the pros, he turns the ball over a lot. He makes decisions. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you making that throw? Because you're not good enough to balance it out on the other end. And yesterday, the difference in that game was the pick six. And this is the other thing that I always wondered. When you draft a guy in the Northeast kind of area, right? I would say Pittsburgh to Baltimore, Philly, Washington, up through New York and Boston. The weather is just crazy over there, right? It it, it rains in September. It gets freezing cold in November, December, and January. You have to be able to play in inclement weather. Think about some of the best quarterbacks over the years, just the last couple decades. Obviously, Tom, incredible cold weather quarterback. Eli Manning could play in the cold weather. Forever in Philadelphia, Donovan McNabb, big arm, big strong guy, cold weather guy. I'm not saying they're all perfect beside Tom, but you got to have some. Mac Jones started raining. Florida guy went to Alabama, inclement weather. That's not really his thing. It's raining early in that game, and what happens? Ball kind of slips out of his hands. It goes high, pick six. I'm not trying to write off the Patriots because they did show some heart. They did show some metal. Clearly, Bill O'Brien is a massive, massive upgrade. And again, Mac had a good stretch in that game. But man, I, I just, when you're betting on a guy who has to be perfect for you to beat good teams, and think about this, we already know right away, those divisional games are going to be really, really hard. So they still got six of those remaining. Uh, I, I just, I don't I don't see it. I, I think it's going to be a huge challenge. S- same goes with Kenny Pickett. Uh, sometimes I overvalue, you know, Kenny in theory has more talent around him than Mac, but th- th- their margin for error is just so much smaller than the talented guys. A couple other guys who were in new spots, Jimmy G and Derek Carr. I'm a big believer uh, in any famous job, but especially with quarterback, any pro sport, right? You need positive momentum early. I don't know if you're big baseball people, but if you've watched the story with Trey Turner, they gave him $300 million, goes to the Phillies, is just horrendous. I mean, he's having a historically bad year. Someone online says we should start cheering him. So every time he came up, they gave him like a standing ovation. He broke out of the slump. He started dominating. But early on, it was pretty ugly, right? No positive momentum. Because anytime you go to a new place, hell, most of us, if you get a new job, it's that first couple weeks, couple months, six months, there's a feeling out process, getting to know people, trying to get on everyone's good side, even if you're a boss. Like, it's just, there's a feeling out process. And if things start negatively, sometimes it's hard to dig yourself out of that hole. And I think with these two quarterbacks, Jimmy G and Derek Carr, 
little different situations, right, for the Saints. Anything less than winning that division will be bad. Like, it'd be embarrassing. They should 100% win that division. Derek's been to the playoffs a couple times. He's had good seasons. There is no excuse, not only for him to be the best quarterback in the division, but for that team as a group to win 10-11 games. Look at their schedule. And yesterday, I'm watching that thing against the Titans in the classic Vrabel, making it ugly. His quarterback's throwing interception after interception. Carr's kind of hit or miss. It's like, Derek, you got to find a way to win this game. Throws a big touchdown and then ices the game. And he had some plays that were pretty ugly. He's Derek Carr. He's going to have some bad plays. But he made a couple big plays that were ultimately the difference in the game. And I think having that momentum, getting on the right side and winning that game uh, for him, having a fan base that loves football. Obviously, football is a really big deal in the South. For himself, it's a polarizing individual. That was huge. And I'd say the same thing with Jimmy G, who is just king of red zone interceptions. No one who is a solid player will throw a red zone interception in a back-breaking time quite like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's one of the easily the best-looking quarterbacks we've ever seen. He's actually better, I think, than the average fan realizes, but he, he is a complicated enigma as a player because he's never going to be a pro bowler, let alone some top 10 guy. But clearly, if your operation just knows what they're doing, you have a good head coach, you have good players around him, you can win games. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he started at quarterback, now he's had a lot of advantages. He's played on really good teams in San Francisco. And this Raider team actually has a decent amount of talent. You can win with them. Now, the ceiling for the 49ers was much higher than this Raider team, but this Raider team is good enough to be 10-plus wins and compete for a wild-card spot. I feel pretty confident about that. And Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday, after that pick, I'm like, oh my God, Jimmy. This is how your Raider career is going to start, just like this? And he just found a way. He made a big run at the end of the game. He, he's diving for first downs, made some big throws. His toughness can never be questioned. Uh, really, really big moment for two guys. In a weird way, are kind of synonymous with each other. Uh, obviously, Jimmy's had more playoff success, just given that he's played in more playoff games. But they were in the same draft, both second-round players, and uh, both got really big wins yesterday. Okay, the Packers and the Bears. If you listen to the Thursday pod, I guess it came out Friday, with Stucky, our, our take was pretty simple on that game. Was if you just remove the quarterbacks, right? We had no clue what Jordan Love was going to look like. We've never seen him, really. I don't count that Chiefs game a couple years ago when his girlfriend and mom sat at the top of Arrowhead. And Justin Fields, which the team had been telling me he'd gotten way better. Time was going to tell. If we just remove both of them, and we just went roster for roster, man for man. It was not even a comparison. The Packers team, player for player, was in a different universe than the Bears. And rightfully so. The Packers, with Rodgers, have been one of the better teams in the league. Fantastic offensive line. They got young skill guys, even though one of them was injured yesterday. Good running backs. A ton of highly drafted defensive players. Packer fans, you know this. Your team is talented. Honestly, defensively, I think a lot of people thought they've underachieved for years with the high-end talent they've had. So going into that game, regardless of the quarterback play, you had to bet the Packers just in the simple fact their team was way better and their coach is much more accomplished. Yet in that game, I'll say this, I'll start with Jordan Love. I'm not going to have some big opinion on him at that game. I think the Bears, and I've said this before, and I feel even stronger about it today, fucking stink. They are a bad football team. They are going to compete for the number one drafting team. So Jordan Love, good game, 
missed a couple throws, but also hit a nice touchdown, had a sweet throwback play, good scheme by LaFleur. Packers just look buttoned up like a high-level operation. But I'm going to judge him when he plays the better teams. Solid start. I'm, I'm not diminishing what happened yesterday. But, like, let's. how do you look against the Lions? How, how do you just look against better competition? Time will tell. Uh, I would say if you're a Packer fan, you should be excited. That was an exciting win of you still own the Bears, regardless who plays quarterback for you. And I think that if he is just somewhere in the middle of the pack, he doesn't, obviously he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback, but if he can just be, just enter the chat of the Jimmy Garoppolo's and the Derek Carr's, kind of that world, right? 13 through 16, you got a chance to make the playoffs, and honestly, you easily could. But when it comes to the Bears, I've said it for, the, the roster's not good. But a lot of people, I think the reaction is, oh, the offensive coordinator for the Bears, what is he doing? Well, last year, all we talked about was part of the reason they had, they didn't really have success because they weren't winning any games, but Justin Fields was just making sweet plays is because they operated in a run-heavy offense, right? He was running the ball all the time, and he is, he's one of the better athletes we've ever seen. I mean, he is, I mean, he's, talk about an elite athlete. Justin Fields is an elite athlete. But ultimately, if I'm going to judge you, can you throw the ball? So I'm going to scheme plays where it's like I put it on his shoulder. Now, the Packers' D-line was destroying the Bears up front. They they all looked like, it's like, does Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, and Aaron Donald play for the Packers? Because that's what it looked like. They were every other play. But when he had some time, the knock on him is rhythm, timing, and seeing it. No one disputes his arm strength. And his just ability to kind of freelance when nothing's there. But to be a good NFL quarterback, you have to just nitpick you from the pocket, right? Can you just make the throws from the pocket? And right now, when you watch Justin Fields, you're like, he looks exactly like the guy last year. The only difference was yesterday, they kind of scrapped, run around all the time, and just said, hey, beat him with your arm. And I think the Bears need to find out this year, it's okay losing games if you find out he can't beat other teams with his arm, right? And if he can't, so be it. I've been saying this for a while. You know the good thing about the Bears? They got two things going for them. If they suck, they'll get a high pick, incredible quarterback draft. And listen, I don't blame anyone if you live outside of Atlanta or Carolina for not watching the Panthers-Falcons game. The Panthers stink. They honestly might be worse than the Bears because at least when the dust settles, Fields can just sprint around and maybe run for a couple touchdowns. That is not Bryce Young's. The Panthers might win three games. Bears might win four or five, but we're talking about two picks that could be in the top five. And those two picks can change your franchise. And maybe at the end of the season, you realize, Fields not that guy. And you know the good thing is? Ryan Poles didn't trade for him. Now, the one thing Ryan Poles, he just said a lot of comments over the years. It's like, let's just let's just take a deep breath. No more talking. And just, let's just figure this out. Like, time's on our side. The, the Bears are, you know, kind of cheap. So they're not going to fire anybody. They're not going to make any uh, knee-jerk reactions. They'll give me some time. I'll get a quarterback of my own. This is not my quarterback. But no more ever saying, like, we're going to run the North again, or I spent 80 hours, I moved a cot into my office to watch film for the draft. Like, that's just, you stink. And listen, no one's disputing your work ethic or how much you like football and all that stuff, but your team's not very good, and it's not going to be good for a while. And I think one question is going to be, when you do end up drafting Caleb Williams, Drake May, one of these sweet, Shador Sanders, who knows, one of these sweet quarterbacks, is Eberflus the guy to have around the quarterback? It is nice having offensive coaches with young quarterbacks. It just does make it a little easy, like easier. This isn't 1987 where you can have a defensive coach and defense can dominate and you can have Mike Singletary and John Lynch and Warren Sapp and 
these guys make an unlimited tackles and win a bunch of ugly games. That's not really the way the sport works. It's dramatically different. Obviously, you need a good defense. Cowboys, the 49ers. I'm not saying you don't. Hell, the Patriots, like, I want a good defense. But but the game has dramatically changed. And I, I do wonder if this season gets ugly again. Like, is Eberflus on scholarship? I think Ryan Poles is going to get another coach. But I, I buckle up. This thing is going to get ugly before it, before it gets pretty. Uh Quickly, I just want to hit on this really briefly. Brenda Tracy, the lady who speaks to a lot of college teams, I noticed her years ago. David Shaw always had her speak to the Stanford football program back when you know when they were constantly a top ten program, even when they sucked. I think she, he brought her every year. She went through all these college programs, a lot of Power Five. Talked about you know a gang rape situation she was involved in, and just became a fixture for a lot of college coaches to use her to give messages to their team about, you know, I've never been in one of her talks, but pretty clear about the way to treat women, the way to act. And listen, I, when I was at Fresno state, uh, we would have the police chief come over. Like it, it's a point of emphasis. I don't care where you are, but for Mel Tucker to even attempt to listen, I say this all the time about these situations. Two people know the true details about this. But he he admitted to masturbating on a phone call with with her. To me, that's a fireable offense in itself. Because part of being a head coach, part of entrusting someone, especially at this level, when you start paying a guy eight to ten million dollars, same thing for a CEO, is decision making. I mean, these coaches talk about it 24-7-365 to their players. Can I trust you? Coaches say this all the time. Can I trust you? Mel Tucker can't be trusted to not just be a moron. Clearly, they're suspending him right now without pay to ultimately fire him because they owe him 70 plus million dollars, which I think they wanted out of before this ever came out. Uh, but this is one of those where Mel Tucker, Aegon is that's underselling it. Like, I, I just view this guy as a complete and utter idiot. Like, have some self discipline, my man. I, I know he was married, claimed he was single. I, I, none of that matters to me. Just this is the individual. This is the woman that you attempted to have a sexual relationship with. Like, can, can you just use a couple brain cells and make a decision that I don't know might be the right one? Like, I mean, what are we doing? And it just shows you that you give certain people power and money. Like, most people are not Nick Saban. Most people are not David Shaw, right? Most people are not Andy Reid that they can handle it. Most people can't. And Mel Tucker was always viewed by people around football as a really high-level guy, as a good football coach. It just turned out he, he didn't have the capacity to handle that spot because this, this isn't an error in judgment. This is just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, this is complete and utter moron. And under no circumstances would any athletic director, would any team president, immediately when they got win, honestly, even if he was attempting to date her, I'd be like, what are we doing, man? You are attempting to be in a relationship with a woman that speaks to your team about a gang rape? Like, th that that is the person? And obviously, she told immediately Michigan State, also an institution that has dealt with, I don't know, some serious issues. Larry Nasser, ever heard of him? So I, I can't even get over the stupidity of Mel Tucker, a guy that from the outside, 
I actually stopped respecting him as much as a head coach because I don't know if he's that good. I think he kind of robbed Michigan State over that $90-plus million contract just because of Kenneth Walker, who they got in the transfer portal. Since then, it's been pretty ugly. Uh, but this is, you're never working again, buddy. I, I don't mean as assistant coach, I don't know, but as a head coach, who is ever hiring this person? This is, this is an all, you're masturbating on the phone with her when clearly, based on her story, she's uncomfortable with it. What are you doing, man? <laughs> wow. Uh, a couple things really quick. YouTube TV, my reaction, uh, I got the, t- the ticket. I, I give it an A-. minus. I, I really do. I, I thought it was easy to operate. I thought the ability to the four boxes is fantastic. I had DirecTV, the app on my TV, and it was impossible to ever get the four games like that because, you know, I didn't have Roku or whatever. This is really easy. The only reason I don't give it an A is, and, I, and listen, I, I entrust that any of these tech companies, these people that are in this business adapt fast. Right, that's the problem with the the cable model. Right, they can't adapt; that they're stuck. I would expect YouTube TV within this year, if definitely by next year, to have the capability of placing the games I want to on my television screen. So I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was easy to use. I, immediately, I didn't, I guess, pay for the Red Zone. I tweeted it out. Someone's like, "You just got to pay for it separately." I did, and then boom, it's up there immediately. So it's. I thought very seamless. If you live in an area that doesn't have your team's game, I highly recommend YouTube TV, uh, the Sunday package. Tom Brady, I don't think many people of his stature, a 45-year-old who's worth as much as him, who's an accomplished as much as he has, would ever in a million years put on a jersey, even though it's his own jersey, like a little kid at halftime in that situation. And you can call it cheesy. You can say whatever you want. I thought that was kind of as cool, raw, and authentic. And Tom running down like he used to as a player and doing the let's go to the crowd. I, I just thought that was cool. And, and I thought Tom, you know, kind of gets it. And I, I think most guys, I don't ever remember seeing a guy put on a jersey in that scenario, especially one of his stature. So it, it was a cool moment. And you know where I've stood on them bringing it back Tom. He's sitting there with the Kraft family multiple shots early in the game when it was 16 nothing like before you could snap your fingers you start wondering what are they talking about <laughs> what, what what are they discussing up there and uh clearly they are uh I think Robert Kraft would love to have Tom Brady run his franchise now is Tom have willing to give his time to do that you never know I mean once you see the jersey and you see him fist pump you, you don't take the football addiction out of someone you, you, you just don't and you just you'll never quite get the highs doing TV like I think Peyton Manning and Eli have fun doing Monday Night Football but it's it's not the same as being in the trenches ask John Lynch the difference between running and picking the players than it is sitting in the booth with makeup and a tie it, 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 there's just a difference in terms of having skin in the game. And Tom Brady, to me, is a skin-in-the-game guy. So it's just something to keep an eye on. I know he owns a little piece of the Raiders. Obviously, it's not. There are complications behind it, but I'd keep an eye on that one. Um, Alabama has issues. You know, I think the day and age of just locking them up as a national championship, like in the game, I I think are over. Doesn't mean they're going to suck. Doesn't mean that they're not going to win nine games with their eyes closed. But, like, we've all been watching college football long enough that – They don't pass the eye test. They didn't last year, and they definitely don't right now. Now, last year, they still had Bryce Young. This year, that quarterback, 
I don't know. I don't see it. Uh, obviously, a big time athlete can throw the ball far, but you can't compete for the playoffs in 2023 with that guy at quarterback. Now with all the other quarterbacks around the country. And you just have to wonder if the transfer portal, if NIL has not only neutralized college football, but has hurt them, uh, hurt them specifically where they used to be able to corner the market. You can probably say the same thing for Ohio state, but I would imagine Alabama has a little bit harder time than Ohio state cutting some of these checks for these players. And I think it immediately reflects when you watch this. Now, Nick Saban's over 70 years old. Is he just going to coach forever? not being in the playoffs. I guess next year, once they go to 12-team playoff, you might as well take your swing at that because he can get to 9, 10 wins and, and get into that. But I'm not trying to overreact and act like they're just some scrub program. I, I just think the day and age of them winning national championships is over. And uh, I guess the Browns lost their starting tackle, which is not ideal. Now, I, I thought Kevin Stefanski had a great line. There are no red shirts in the NFL. So they have a young player who clearly they drafted who's just going to get thrust into the action that they're high on. But anytime you lose a guy that you gave a four-year, $80 million contract to, paying a ton of cash, who's a really good player in Jack Conklin, that hurts. And it's the thing that I say it all the time, there's nothing worse than the NFL. As a fan, if you're a teammate, as a coach, as an executive, of seeing one of your impact players lying there on the ground. It's just, it's the absolute worst. And that view of a guy in the back of a cart you know, getting fist pounds and hugs from his teammates because they know. Like, it's, you don't know the exact injury at the time. Like, did he break his leg? Did he tear his ACL? But they know it's bad. That's always, that's the that's my least favorite part of football on, on Sundays because we just see the cart come out a lot and um, it, it just has, you know, grave consequences when it's, you know, a certain player on your team that you just can't replace. Sometimes you hope you can, but there's a big difference of being high on a guy because of the offseason, the preseason, and then going against T.J. Watt. It's like, buckle up. Good luck. Okay, let's dive into the middle cough mailbag. way you get in is you go to my Instagram DMs. My Instagram handle is just my name, at John Middlecoff, two Fs, and fire me a DM. Very, very easy to use. My first time mailbag after listening for a few years. Love the show and glad to have your voice in the media mix. 37-year-old Pats fan here. Wanted to give my take and perspective on the week one Brady ceremony. It does seem rushed, but it's no wonder Kraft loves Tom. He's quite simply loves the guy. And I'm sure he is eternally eager to show him that he really does love him. Ever since he let him walk out. Because like, I bet Bob Kraft would want that one back. I hadn't considered Kraft wanting to bring Brady into the front office, but that wouldn't surprise me. He would probably let Tom live in his house. You can see it on Kraft's face and definitely can hear it in the way he talks about him. Brady is like family to him, except add in that he's also an Iron Man and he really won all that shit. Bob will be pleasant, be in a pleasant mood week one. Keep up the great work. And like you said, thank you, Jesus, football's back. Uh, more of a comment, really, than a question. And like I said, like having Tom there means a lot for the Kraft family to show their love for Tom. Though, I, I do think Tom knows that. Um, I think anytime you go through rough times as a franchise, and it's all relative. Like, you, you can watch the Patriots. I'm not the biggest Mac Jones guy, but adding Billy O relative to what they had last year, clearly their defense is going to be good. Maybe they do compete to go above 500 and stay in the wild card mix. So they're, they're not a joke by any means. They're, they're going to be solid. We'll see how they look against divisional opponents. 
Um, you know, the first game, you get all off season, the game plan, and obviously Bill's, you know, arguably one of the great X's nose coaches, if not the best in the history of the league, especially defensively. But I, I, I do, I don't know, man. I, I just, in terms of Belichick's tenure, this is toward the 18th hole. And if they miss the playoffs, like, I, I don't think firing Bill, like firing Brandon Staley and firing Bill Belichick are not the same thing. And I don't even think you fire him. Right, but is it just run its course? And I, I do think if they were to go seven and ten, it would be on the table. Now, when it comes to Tom, you know, would Tom run the show? Basically, give him, I don't know, twenty plus million dollars a year. Maybe give him the equivalent of what Mark Davis gave him in Vegas, and say, hey, we want you to be like our John Elway slash. We'll give you a little equity in the franchise. I don't even know all the league rules. Because clearly, like Mark Davis let him in, think of what the Raiders are doing. Jimmy Garoppolo there now, Josh McDaniels, Ziegler, like it's kind of Patriot West. So now would Tom even want to do that? Seems like he's having a good time hanging out with his son Jack, Benny, and all the other kids. Uh, you grinded that long, but I, I listen, I've been around a few football addicts, and they, they don't do well away from football for a while. And I, I just wonder you get that itch to really be in the fire. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing Tom call football games, like the actual game, like in a suit and tie. Even Peyton kind of gets to screw around. You know, I, I just, I don't know if I ever see him doing that. I know they gave him a lot of money. I, I know everyone thinks it's going to happen next year. Something to keep an eye on because I don't know if that's going to kind of get his juices flowing like he thinks. Obviously, they, you know, financially, Tom's at the point. I mean, does he really need the money? Again, I'm never money always helps, right? That's that's the way they wooed him by offering him so much money. But I think it's gonna be very, very interesting what happens after this season. Not just for the Patriots, but the Tom Brady. Like, where does he actually end up in 2024 when it comes to football? Is he on TV? Or is Kraft begging him to run his team? So I know you do a mailbag every once in a while. Fan of your insights. Who's to blame for the Broncos' woes? Is it Russell Wilson? Is it coaching? Is it personnel? We scored 16 points again, which was our ceiling last year. It's just getting hard to watch. Well, I thought Russell, relative to last year, you know, a lot has been made of his losing some weight. I, I did think he looked a little more spry. I thought he looked a little quicker. He's just not magical, man. And Russell, for a long period of time, what made him such a great player was he was magic. And I've seen him live so many times. His creativity, he, he was unlike anything I've ever seen. His ability to scramble, throw the bombs, and it's just not there. Now, you guys have had injuries offensively. Uh, I, you know, McGlinchey stinks. I mean, paying that guy all that money. Just because you pay a player a lot of money doesn't mean the player changes. Like, he's not going to be able to block. Max Crosby was eating his lunch. So, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Your personnel's not great. You went all in on a guy that is no longer an elite guy, right? You not only made an enormous trade, but you paid him all this money. And when you do pay a quarterback all that money for that three or four years, he's got to be a high-end player. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes, but if he's not in the Pro Bowl mix, which Russell's not going to be, you got problems. So obviously it's hard to blame it on Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, but, like, Sean Payton was the guy pounding the table for McGlinchey and the guard. And I think sometimes when you give a coach so much juice, like, they're just going to get to make all the decisions with personnel. So I, I think everyone is is to blame. 
George Payton, does he know what he's doing? He's the guy that hired Nate Hackett. Now, if you want to tell me, well, they only hired Hackett to get Aaron Rodgers, well, that didn't work, right? So if you're going to make a move, you better close the freaking deal. The Jets hired Hackett, and they got him. Obviously, the Broncos couldn't have because they'd already made the trade, but I think you guys are going to be bad, and, and an ugly bad, because anytime it's like in baseball. If you can't hit, you're a boring watch. Like the San Francisco Giants can't hit. You couldn't pay me to watch them. You can't pay me to watch baseball teams who can't hit. Very boring, right? Just like you can't pay me to watch football teams. If I was a fan, I would be so mad because I understand you're going to watch your team. There is nothing worse as a fan than watching anemic offensive teams, right? At least if your defense is bad and your offense is okay, you can be competitive. When your offense is just struggling to get to 20 points in this modern-day way the game is officiated and regulated, that sucks. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Probably in for a long year. But everyone has is to blame, right? And I, I think Sean Payton definitely has some blame as well, given that he went all spent all this money on some of these players who aren't that good. But I can't blame. He has nothing to do with Russell Wilson. Writing in for the next mailbag. Been listening to the show for over a year. And as a Texas Longhorn fan, it's been brutal hearing your criticism of Sark and our program. Some is totally warranted, and we underachieved. But I had to slide into the DMs to make sure you gave Sark his flowers. Texas beat Bama. Sark out coach Saban. You were wrong about this game, and I hope you reconsider betting against us next time. Hook them, baby. We're back. Uh, we're now back. We're not back yet, but we are on back on track. P.S. Love the show. Listen, I will say this about Sark. I think Brandon Staley is a fraud. Like I, I, I could not make that guy m- my head coach. I do think Sark knows how to coach, right? Offensively, even last year, they were dynamic. I liken him a little to Lincoln Riley. Is like, he's not a tough guy. And when you're not a tough guy, defensively, it, it shows in the biggest moments. But I had multiple friends who went through Texas in training camp, right? Over the, during August. Both of them told me, like, I'm telling you, this team is freaking loaded. They are stacked. And this is where NIL comes in. Now, Sark recruited well when he was at Washington because when Chris Peterson got to Washington, they made the playoffs. It was with a lot of Sark's guys. Sark knows how to recruit. He's like Lane. He, Sark knows talent. My issue with Sark always was, look at his resume. He just never wins. He's never won nine games. Now, that was a big win. And I don't care if Bama's... You know, not 2017 Bama. He, I thought he kicked his ass. I mean, he he worked him. And again, I, I'm not. People think I. None of this shit's personal. This is all business to me. I just watch Sark's teams. I don't. I've never liked the way they look. That was impressive. He clearly has a lot of talent. I will say this though: once you get a little momentum, as they did, and you win a game like that, anything less than like 11 and one will be a major letdown, right? It's football. You're. I, I could give you a little room for error. You're allowed to lose a game. But he cannot, 10-2 and two would feel devastating, right? So th- there's a lot of pressure on him now. He answered the bell. Easily the, the toughest away game he's going to have. But some of these Big 12 games, and listen, I've followed him pretty closely since he's been there. They've lost to Kansas. Last year they lost to Texas Tech. He, he cannot drop these games where he is going to be clearly more talented than these other coaches. So props to Sark. It's the biggest win of his career by a mile. Not just because he beat Alabama, but he had more talent. Like, this was a year, like, he legitimately should have beat him. Last year was understandable. Think about this. Last year in the loss, 
is the best moment of his career, and it's a loss. So good for him. I read an article about uh, on Sark how he had like triple bypass surgery because every year Nick Saban basically makes all his coaches and everyone that works for him get a full-on physical. I'm talking drawing blood, colonoscopies, like they do it all. And they found something in his heart that if they would, if he wouldn't have done it, he would have died. And he had to immediately get surgery. He's got a big scar on his heart. Made you realize, like, damn, I was, it was a pretty powerful article. And I'm not saying I was rooting for Sark going into that game because you know I'm, I'm a Saban Roll Tide guy, but it, it made me made me like him a little more. Now, am I picking them to win the national championship? I'm not. Am I going to be dumb enough to debate like they have the talent to win it? Right, they are easily one of the most talented teams in the country. Right, we'll see who comes out of the Pac-12 once Utah gets their quarterback. USC is their defense good enough? Oregon, Washington, Colorado's the wild card. Looks like Georgia is going to be pretty freaking good. Florida State between Ohio State and Michigan, but Texas is going to be right in the mix. I'm not by no means am I acting like they aren't going to be in the playoff mix, if not in the playoffs, and have a chance to win it all because they're going to. And he wins it all. Like trust me, I've talked a lot of shit. I'll eat crow. I'm pretty confident where I stand on Brandon Staley. thing with college is like, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes. And the one thing Sark does because of the program, they have access to a lot of coin. And that coin's paying for a lot of players. And he deserves credit for isolating and getting the right ones. Just like Florida State, right? Just like USC. You got to be on the right guys. He's on the right guys. Sark and Lane know, man. They they learned from Pete firsthand in the mid-2000s. Those guys learned... How not just to build a program, but to find the right players. If you know talent in college football and you're at one of these powerhouses, this is just you're off and running. Just bought Colorado at ASU tickets for next month. Use your promo code. Bringing the kids to their first football game. Can't wait. Is this Colorado team for real? The penalties they're getting so far is discipline related, but they clearly are getting the ball down the field. Here's what I know. If Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country, right, just the guy that not is just the best player, but the guy who's going to go number one in the draft and just an elite overall individual. I think Shadour is in the mix as the number two quarterback. I don't know if he's coming out or whatever, but I'm just saying if we're ranking quarterbacks, like if, if you were an NFL GM, whether they're underclassmen, draft eligible, whatever, Caleb is pretty entrenched at number one. I, I think Shadour is in the mix for number two. And anytime you got that level at quarterback, and the talent they have on offense. Because I, I think everyone after that first game was like, Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter. And obviously so. He he played like 700 snaps. But number 10, the dude with dreads, like that guy is freaking good. I, I, I saw him in the TCU game. I'm like, I like this guy. They started making more plays in the Nebraska game. Their running backs are good. Their other receivers are good. Defensively, they got some players. And Deion knows what he's doing. And as a as like a number two guy for a NFL team told me this weekend, he's like the, the thing you don't understand. Well, I do, but I just think the casual fan doesn't understand. It's not just Dion up there, you know, giving motivation speeches and saying funny stuff. His coaching staff is top notch. That bald defensive coordinator, the white guy. If obviously you've watched the game, like ten million people are watching their game. Do you know where that guy's from? Nick Saban, Alabama. Their their offensive coordinator was a freaking head coach in the MAC last year. Just quit. He didn't get fired. He just quit to go be Shador, Travis Hunter, and number 10's offensive coordinator. Smart move. Because that guy's going to be in the mix fast. He's legit. Their coaching staff is really good. 
The other thing that I heard about Dion is what makes him such a good recruiter. Obviously, he's just great with people. And his feel, like, for just whether it's a parent or a kid, I've heard he's just incredible in a room. You can see it. I mean, a lot of guys are. But his ability to just interact with anybody. He can go to the hood. He can go to the country club. He could fit in. But the one thing I heard that's great about Dion is, like, he won't take no for an answer. He's not just, like, a salesman. Like, he's relentless. And clearly, he's getting a lot of yeses. So, yeah, I mean, they're not not for real. Now, are they going to win the national championship? Sitting here September 11th, I, I don't think I'd say that. But if you told me they go 10-2 and two and beat some of these highly ranked teams along the way, whether it's an Oregon, a USC, a Utah, I can definitely see it. I might see you at that ASU game. Because depending on what time the game is, I think I might go. I think I definitely might go. Want to hear your thoughts on this season of Hard Knocks? I found it to be one of the most enjoyable seasons in a few years. I mostly want your take on the Rodgers UFO sighting. I didn't watch all, however, four episodes, 60 minutes. So I I didn't watch every minute of every episode. And if you've listened to me for a while, you know I'm out on the show. Because I I think it's like, it's just such a PG version. And even the Jets were anti-showing guys get cut. Which I understand for their side of it, right? They claimed it was inhumane. It's literally just part of the business, and and half the guys you cut, you literally resign for two hundred grand. You know that are twenty two years old. So like the horror, like guys, it's okay. We, we get it. We've all seen Hard Knocks. We understand the deal. But those days are over. I don't expect to be in personnel meetings anymore. You don't see anyone get cut. Uh, you, you know the Turk. I I had that role when I was in the NFL walking downstairs to meet guys and grab their playbook and grab their iPad. Like, that's just part of the protocol of the sport of football, right? Hell, some of us get cut in junior high or high school from baseball teams, basketball teams, whatever. Football teams usually don't cut, but you know what I mean. It's like part of life. Failure is okay. It doesn't end your life, right? But those days are over. The show worked, though, and simply because it was a television show with two stars. And Rodgers... People are like, well, it's just Rogers propaganda. That's fine. It was entertaining. I found it pretty entertaining. So I'm with you. And I think Robert Sala, listen, I, I root for my bald brothers. He's natural on TV. He's, it was an easy watch. So I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. But it was, they got very, very lucky. The coach is just made for TV. Good looking guy. Not too much of a, you know, meathead can talk, but is also a tough guy. He's just perfect. And Rodgers is just, you know, one of the most famous guys in league history who just got traded to this team in the Big Apple. So it was it was kind of served up to them on a play. It was like a BP fastball. If it wasn't entertaining, they would have had a problem. And let's face it, what did we get? We basically just got unlimited Rodgers and Sala. That felt like the majority of the show. I didn't see the specific UFO part, but are aliens really coming? And if they do, do we have to fight them or are they like our friends or do they pretend to be our friends and then take us all out? Is it like Independence Day with Will Smith where they shoot that thing down? If they really are here and clearly people are testifying that they're, they exist and every other day on the internet, I see, you know, UFO sighting, do we got to buckle up? Like, is, is this going down or are they just going to be cool? Right. Are, are they like humans or are they like animals that can also fly? I don't know. I'm fascinated to see how this progresses. Uh, I, I, I'm not a big sci-fi alien type guy, 
right? Alien, the the movie back in the day, not really my jam. Uh, I, I'm not into that. But if they're real, like this isn't sci-fi. This is real life, and they just exist, which, again, I, I'm not a big alien guy, right, in terms of like I don't read a lot about them. You know, back, uh, like, those aren't the type of books I would read or even movies that I watch. It's not what I do for entertainment besides just some of the major hits, Independence Day. So I just I just envision that thing coming down and them shooting the the circular sphere down and us just kind of running for our life. I, I hope that's not the case, and I hope they just come interact. Huge fan of the pod. Even sent it to my girlfriend. Huge Cowboys fan. Optimistic about the week one performance. Is it just me? Did the offense not click? As much as you would want. Defense was obviously dominating, but offense didn't have a long, sustained drive. Dak stats weren't great, and more so, just didn't pass the eye test on the side of the ball. Thoughts? Looking forward and enjoying this season of three and out. I do think when you get into a position where you're up, you get a, a field goal block, you get a pick six, and you're in the teens. Right, I don't. I forget the exact score. Was sixteen to nothing, or eighteen to nothing, or whatever. You were in the twenties before you even scored an offensive touchdown. Right. I do wonder. And listen, I've never been a coach in the NFL, but if I'm McCarthy and this was a huge game, and you're coming into the game just like any coach goes into a game, thinking that this thing could be tight, and we got to be fully prepared to run everything and anything to get us to win the game, because that's the whole goal. Whether you win two to nothing or whether you win. 50 to 48. It, it doesn't matter, but you have to do whatever it takes to win. Once you get a huge lead, I do wonder if you scrap the, the game plan a little bit. right? Once you get up in the mid-20s, the weather, it's raining, your defense, it's clear. The Giants are fucked. I think you scrap a lot of plays. And so I do wonder, now, do I think they're, like a couple years ago, they're going to be the number one offense in the league? I don't. But I have a hard time making some like uh, overall statement that their offense is sluggish and off in a game like that. Because some games, your defense just gets to dominate and your offense is kind of irrelevant. And when your offense is irrelevant, I don't want to say guys check out, but the ebb and flow of a normal performance is not normal. So I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Now, if it happens in a game that's like 20 to 20, or just you know games that look like, I don't know, actual NFL football games, because let's face it, that game is not like a game that you're going to watch against two playoff teams. Clearly, the Cowboys are way better than the Giants. Same with the Eagles. Like That, that gap I thought was going to close as extended or, or at least maintained. I, I do wonder, though, if they didn't call a lot of plays that they were planning on calling. Question. Do you think KC first-round picks for the last three years have been busts? Two years ago... They, I think the guys that are in their second year, McDuffie and Karlovskis, who are pretty damn good. Didn't McDuffie cause a fumble in that game? Karlovskis has played a lot the last, obviously played a lot last year. I thought he was making plays the other night. So I would say no on that group. Uh, I forget who they took two years ago. I know they took Clyde a while back. Yeah, they, they'd like a redo on Clyde. I do support when they took Clyde. I, I thought he was going to be really good. But I always said this about Trent Balky. Because when Trent Baalke first became the GM of the Niners, he was hitting on all these picks. And then Harbaugh showed up, and they started winning. They started going to the championship game. They started going to the Super Bowl. And all their draft picks were, you know, 29 to 32. Or they never won. 31, right? Drafting in, like, the teens 
is dramatically easier than drafting every round at pick 29, 26, 30, right? It, it just the talent is depleted when it's time for your pick. So I would say two years ago when they took McDuffie and, and the Purdue pass rusher, I would say 100% that's a good pick. But I don't know. John, why do you and so many in the media make excuses for Sam Darnold versus holding him accountable for his terrible play? He is on his third team in five years because two teams told the entire NFL he stinks. He had a seventh-ranked defense in New York, and he was awful. He had the second-ranked defense in Carolina along with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, and he was awful. Please explain. Well, offensively, let's go around. His coach in New York, Adam Gase, is a laughingstock by fans, by people in the league. Currently, I don't even think he has a job, right? Dedicated his whole life to being a football coach. No one hires him right now to coordinate an offense. And then Joe Douglas got him, and clearly they just moved on. They were going to draft Zach Wilson. Gets traded to Carolina. Matt Rule is his head coach. I think there's a chance that Matt Rule is committing like legal robbery right now. Nebraska is paying him $70 million. Did you watch his quarterback? Is there a chance Matt Rule knows absolutely nothing about quarterback play? And I know he's not technically the offensive coordinator, but he is the head fucking coach. He is a former offensive line coach. He's an offensive coach. Well, that's who he got. So he got he got Matt Rule, Joe Brady, who they had to fire in the middle of a season, and last year McAdoo, which they went with Baker Mayfield because the owner wanted to start him. Clearly, by the end of the season, when Sam came back in, he was playing pretty good. So I would say this. If he stinks with Kyle Shanahan, he's not a very good player. If he ever gets to play, which he might never get to play. And we're also talking about a backup quarterback making $3 million. But if you get the opportunity to play with a really good coach, Sean McVay, Andy, offensive head coach, Andy Reid, right? Kyle Shanahan, just go around the league. I think LaFleur is proving it in Green Bay to be a good offensive coach. And you're not good? That's a you problem, right? Like Trey Lance, I'm sorry. Kyle Shanahan thinks you're not good. When's the last time Kyle Shanahan thought a guy wasn't good and he turned out to be good? I'll wait at that position. I'm not saying every, I'm talking about quarterback, right? Brock Purdy gets in, they win. He looks awesome. Kyle Shanahan believes in Sam Darnold. Again, for $3 million and as a backup. Thinks he is dramatically better than the guy that he drafted number three overall. Now, if he got in and he wasn't good, 100% agree with you. But if Sam Darnold got in, I would bet on him looking solid. Is he as good as Purdy? No, he's not. Would they win with Sam Darnold? I think they would. I would say guy that's not in the top 10 look any good with Matt Rule or definitely Adam Gase in those situations, I would say no. So part of your situation, like Matt Stafford, proved he can play with kind of anybody. And you put him on a good team, they're going to be really good. But you can put him on a shitty team and he's still going to look pretty solid. Most guys are not that, right? Sam Darnold's not that. Sam Darnold can't overcome incompetence. Justin Herbert, he's with the Chargers. He overcomes weekly, yearly incompetence, right? He's a freak talent. Sam Darnold, I'm not comparing him to like high-end guys, but I'm also like, if he's your backup quarterback, I think that's a pretty good backup quarterback. Look at some of the guys that are backup quarterbacks. Look around the league. So yeah, no one's acting like he's the next coming of Peyton Manning here. But this notion that he's as bad as he was in those situations, I would question it. Like, John, why are you out on Trey Lance? Because Kyle Shanahan thinks he stinks, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, if that's the case, like, I'm out. The all-pro guys on that team don't think he's any good. 
why are you why do you like Brock Purdy? Well, obviously you watch a play, he's pretty good. But his teammates that are all all pros and pro bowlers and high-end guys, they all think he's a stud. I saw right before I recorded this, Debo Samuel posted a pic of Purdy. It was the back, so you can see the back of his jersey. And instead of Purdy, it just said him. Like, that's him, what all the kids are saying. He's him. Whatever however the hell you say that. I feel like a 38-year-old who in a, you know, like I'm 70. But you know what I mean. But those guys believe in that guy. And they they like Sam Darnold too. So I put stock, like every single player, I don't put stock in their opinions. But like when Jason Kelsey tells me two years ago, like we got something in Jalen Hurts. You listen, you you listen. If Patrick Mahomes goes, I really like this young wide receiver. I'm going to pay attention. Tom Brady forever had certain guys that he liked or Peyton Manning. Like I, I gravitate toward that. Certain guys have more equity built up with their ability to have an opinion on a player. No different than a GM or a coach. So those guys think he's better than you think he is. And again, like you're you're acting like who are we comparing him to? Is he better than Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts? Of course not. He's also a three million dollar backup quarterback. Appreciate everyone listening. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. Wherever you may be, wherever you may be listening. <laughs> so Colin. Yeah, I will talk to everyone soon. And we'll just have podcasts all week, so we'll keep it rolling. The volume. Can I tell you about my friends at Factor? With the busy fall season just around the corner, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with fast, chef-prepared, dietitian-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Let's face it, a lot of us moving fast, going places and don't have time to eat healthy and that's a key a lot of us are trying to improve our diets that's where factors come in choose from 34 weekly flavored packed dietitian approved meals ready to eat in less than two minutes level up with the gourmet plus options prepared to perfection by chefs ready to eat in record time if you're looking for calorie conscious options ahead of the busy season try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving how do you beat that so head to factormeals.com slash john 50 and use the code j-o-h-n 50 to get 50 percent off that's code john 50 at factormeals.com slash john 50 to get 50 percent off Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.